All right, we are back for episode 14 of Clinch Perfect, coming off the arguably best UFC card, or at least most memorable UFC card in an awful long time. How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm, I, honestly, I'm buzzing. I was about to like, let off a cheer, to be honest, because I just can't go over the like the entire like three days of fights that we've had, from PFL to UFC, you name it. And I was also watching some slap fighting thing over the weekend, so <laughs> I, I <laughs> You've got the, couldn't get my fill of fights. You're addicted to slap fighting now after the uh, the Jake Paul Ben Askren card. You're a big fan. Yeah, that, I, I just I'm quite obsessed, and it's a bit concerning. Like if I can't wait, like you know, you can look at your watch history on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Literally, my my entire twenty like twenty four hours is just <laughs> slap fighting. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, we had one last week as well. John Lineker doing what he does. Yes, um, that was good beast. to see, and. Um, did you see um, Eddie Alvarez's uh, DQ got overturned today? I did. So I, did. Um, I literally, I literally just common sense that. prevails. I mean, it's good to see because how often does common sense not prevail in the world of MMA judging and refereeing? I tell you um, what, though, it is very one, isn't it? Like, if yeah. we're being honest, it's like, oh, uh, 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 I don't know, Starboy lost, right? We've got to change the result. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'd have done it if it was some random dude on the undercard, that's for sure. Uh, we got crowd back in for... Uh, for the uh, card this weekend, how amazing was that? Although I do have a, I do have a bone to pick with them, which I've put on the notes, as you can see. I, I missed the like weirdly, I missed the atmosphere. But I also kind of, I don't know, part of me was just like I kind of hated it because I couldn't hear like the, the guttural sound of like a leg kicking leg. Oh, I mean, we'll get onto the, we, we can, you can probably hear the snap later on, but yeah, there was one leg kick we heard. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the bone I had to pick with the crowd was stop giving Jake Paul so much fucking attention. Like, I don't like the guy. I think he's a douche. I don't know why he's, you know, funny or entertaining to anyone. I don't know how he has such a big following, but that said, you got to give it to him. He's an excellent troll. He has got the whole MMA world talking about him. He's got DC up in his face. I mean, if I was front row at a UFC pay-per-view and the main card started, and they were chanting, fuck Ben, fuck Ben. I'd be like, yeah, everyone's talking about me. Like, he's loving it. Everyone's giving him exactly what he wants. Yeah, he's, uh, I tell you what, he's a genius PR publicist. Yeah, he? Like, I mean, it's... like I said, I don't like him, but you got to give it to him. He's, he's doing what he's what he wants to do. He's playing the heel. Isn't that, isn't that what they use in wrestling? Like, he's got it down to a T. It just has that, that personality which makes you want to punch him in the face. Like it just rubs you off the wrong way. Yeah, um, I don't think he's put much work into that. To be fair, I think that's a natural. I come to him naturally. <laughs> he he was blessed with that. That was a god given hey, talent. Although, he wouldn't last five seconds with Daniel Cormier. No, I, I, I mean, don't care what anyone. I don't care what anyone says. The Ben Askren fight was so blatantly staged. It's not even true. I don't want them to make the fight with DC just because it would it would kind of make a mockery of the legacy that DC has left in, in combat Tom, sports. Literally feed him to Tommy but it, Fury. But That's all be, I care about. It would be funny. It would be quite <laughs> funny to see DC spark him out. Um, anyway, should we get on to the actual fights? Can you imagine uh, the got... weight difference? <laughs> oh God, it'd be crazy. Um, have you seen, by the way, uh, Floyd Mayweather's making Logan Paul cut weight in, in their fight? I think that's absolutely yeah, he ridiculous. Can't, he as can't well. weigh any more than 190 pounds, isn't it? Yeah, like him? you're Floyd Mayweather and he's Logan Paul. Let him weigh however much the fuck you want. <laughs> you're like, still going to spark him in the first place. It's still not going to be close. Uh, we got uh, prelims kicked us off on the right note, didn't they? Quite and literally. Ariane Karnalossi and Liang Na just went out there and just batshit crazy first round. I think, you know, it was like 10 different submission attempts, a couple kind of scrappy takedowns, loads of ground and pound from Karnalossi. Um, a fucking crazy fight to be honest it was one of those where you, you kind of like you don't want to blink in case you miss something yeah. like it, it was so high paced and so intense I think to, to be honest Carlos kind of 
showed that there's levels to this game. I think it was was it the, I think it was Leon Nars debut, wasn't it? Um, I think it was a UFC debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, again, they're all from the the, the Chinese PI. Um, but yeah, she just showed those levels in terms of, like the striking. Uh, I think to be honest, that like the I don't really think Kyle Austin necessarily got punch power. I think she just kind of like. I, mean, I don't want to analyze it too much because it's such an early prelim, but she kind of like she pit patterns her punches, she builds them up, right? Like she'll she'll touch you up and then like start applying more and more and more pressure and then going for the kill. Um, but it was one hell of a way to open it. Like I, the minute that fight ended, I was like, we are in for a sick night of fights. Yeah, and I think the the crowd sensed it too. Like it was those two, you know, kind of kind of got them a little bit of credit for for kind of getting that, you know, I know the crowd, you know, wasn't full at that point and there was still a, a hell of a lot of empty seats, but that that buzz in the air was, was instant the second they were, I mean, even before they started fighting, to be fair, just when they were walking out, it did, you know, I, I, I do want to say, even though she lost, put Liang Na on every card you possibly can, because <laughs> if she's going to fight like that every, I mean, she just went out and she was throwing like wild arm bar attempts, like throwing up triangles. She was doing absolutely everything to try and get the win, which is what you want to see. Like, you don't want to see someone accepting that they're losing. She was trying to win until she was <laughs> unconscious, basically. I, mean, I know it sounds crazy because she's coming off a loss, but I do want to see a fight, Joanna, at some point, just because I think that fight would be so in, like insane, like <laughs> spinning kicks and everything. Um, and strawweight as well. Strawweight is a fun division, isn't it? Like, if you talk about like the women's weight divisions, strawweight. I think the strawweight is easily the best. Like, can you imagine? Can you can you literally imagine like the Angler against someone like a a, a Shane Pies or a Kay Hansen or like, a Jessica Penne or something? Like, oh, the, the, the graphic with Kay Hansen would be really fun. Actually, that's a good suggestion. Yeah. Even though Hansen's probably way above her in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> miles. <laughs> Yeah, we're, yeah. Like, we're talking fancy matchups. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But actually, no, she's not high up. She's only like five or six rankings. That's oh, yeah, still she, she lost to McKenna in the last fight. Um, and then we had the the fight of the night right after that. Jeff Molina um, and Arichi Lang got that pronunciation perfect. Been practicing that. <laughs> what a fight! I like I said, you know, the the buzz was in the air from the first moment from the first fight, and then this one just you know exaggerated that even more. So I mean, Arichi Lang started really well. He was applying mad pressure, putting out a lot of volume, good pace, and landing quite a lot as well, and landing with power, it felt like. Yeah, to me, it almost... I mean, I don't want to say he gassed, because that feels like a bit unfair to what Molina did, but he, he did seem to, like, after the first round, kind of his gas tank wasn't there, and I think he started getting a bit peppered a bit too easily, um, and the way Molina closed range as well. I was really impressed with like, the way he controlled the distance and like came in and came back out, so... I mean, again, we, we talk about like fight of the night. I think that's like weirdly like one of the contenders for fight of the year, even though it was so early on the prelims. Just because oh, the was third like... round was amazing. I know it was a yeah. one-sided third round, but then Arichi Lang nearly knocked him out in the last 10 seconds, which made up for the other four and, minutes and, and 50 saying, seconds like, of beatdown. People have been saying Max and Cater is like fight of the year, right? Like the, To me, this that was, was like fucking, more... Yeah, that was a one-sided beatdown as, as they come. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to be fair, like the guy's got some chill on him, hasn't he? Like, I mean... I, don't, I I wouldn't again. I wouldn't say that Molina's necessarily got like one punch power or whatever. But he was landing. They were both landing some bombs, and it was just like again, it was so relentless. Um, yeah, like you said, I was really watch. impressed by Molina actually that he did have that sort of slow first round. And I think you referred to it in his post fight interview where like you know he's a he's a debutant coming off coming off the contender series. There's going to be a bit of an adrenaline dump, especially first event back in front in front of fans. Obviously, going to be a bit nervous, and he did lose the first round. And then it was like he kind of went to his corner and was like, okay, calm the fuck down. I'm better than this guy. 
just, you know, found his range, found his groove, and then, yeah, basically pieced him up and, and won those second and third rounds pretty dominantly. I think it was, um, I think Best we may have said it on that podcast ages ago where he's talking about like the first round of your career in the UFC is like the worst because you, you're full of energy and you want, you want to make a bit of an impression and a statement and then you kind of get caught like a deer in the headlights. And you're right. That's I think that's exactly what happened to Molina. And then he sort of like, as you say, went back to his corner and got a kick up the ass and then thought, ah, oh, right, now time to start like reminding myself why I'm actually in the UFC in the first place. Um, but I was really, I was really impressed with both fighters. I don't, I don't think, I don't think um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name because I know I'll fudge it up. But um, yeah, I'm not. You're looking try at me it. for help. I'm not going to help yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll let you. I'll let you butcher it all by yourself. No, no, no. I'm just going to call him like Aori. There we go. Like that, that, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, another. Uh, I mean. Rose basically killed communism. All the Chinese fighters on this card lost. Um, Zhu Rong, 21, youngest fighter in the UFC. I think he performed pretty well. And I do want to talk about the fact that one of the judges gave Rodrigo Vargas a 10-8 in the first round, which is the most batshit thing I've ever seen. Again, we're questioning the judges, aren't we? I feel like it's every week there's always like a, a, a wacky decision or a weird decision. Um, well, not, not even a decision, really. Just like, again, as you say, a scoring. That's not even wacky. Like, that's just like... It's inexplicable. How could how could that first round be a ten eight? I mean, mm. I mean, Zurong didn't land much. Sure, it was just kind of. You know, but it was, it was competitive. Like, it wasn't yeah. one sided. Yeah. It's like we just said about um, Molina Zurong, a young guy making his debut. Obviously, he's going to be a bit kind of feel it out and and spend that first five minutes just getting acclimatized to what's going on. But a ten eight for a few strikes and a couple takedowns. I, mean, I think there was maybe one takedown towards the end from Vargas. Like. Just absolutely ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I did think Vargas looked pretty good though and just deservedly won the fight because Zurong was too busy showboating most of it. Yeah, it, uh, Zurong kind of reminds me of um, oh, who's the rising kid who was on who who who, who, did, who did I go nuts over? Oh my god, what's his name? Sumudeji is it that is that who? No, no not Sumudeji. Manuel Carp um, trains AKA. Yes, Kamal Carp. Yes, Manuel Carp. Manuel Carp. Um, kind of reminds me of Manuel Carp in a sense like. Been tearing up like the regional circuit, and then when he gets to the big stage, hasn't he quite made the right adjustments. Not quite all there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think he needs. To, I, I still think he can be a really good fighter. I just think he needs to like. Yeah, well, he's twenty one. So yeah, exactly. He's got plenty so, of time yeah. to improve. Yeah. Um, he kind of he kind of reminds me of like an early Song Yudong. It's probably the best comparison I can make. You know, when Song Yudong first came to the ASEAN was like, I think he came, he came out short in a couple of fights, and then everyone was like, okay, go back to the drawing board, and then went away. Picked up some good wins and a really good fight with like Chitavera and stuff. Like Rob Chitavera. <laughs> not that I'm salty about it or anything. Um, did you see Song Yudong was actually in um Liang Na's corner for the first fight? Yeah. And he basically saved the fight from getting stopped after the first round because she was on the floor, like pretty much unconscious, and was the ref was looking at her like, oh, I'm gonna stop this. And Song came in and sort of grabbed her and got her up and walked her over to the corner. Like he, <laughs> it was seconds away from being stopped, that was. Um, so shout out Song Yudong for the for the solid corner work. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Dana Batgarel, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm just gonna call him Dana because you know, works. We love we love Dana on this podcast, right? Nothing uh, nothing bad to say at all. Um, <laughs> Free tickets, a, please. Uh, another another impressive knockout, and that's two I think left hook knockouts now in his UFC career against Kevin Natividad, who clearly has a bit of an issue with his chin, considering he's now been knocked out pretty quickly in both of his fights in the UFC. But um, Batgarel looked really good. I mean, I know it was a short fight, but yeah, like that that left hook is mean and he clearly has a lot of power for the division. 
Yeah, and considering the division is in bantamweight, like there are some banging matchups to make like later down the line. Can you imagine Bagarel versus like Rob Font or like a, Co- a-, a Cody or something? Like, yeah, it- yeah. If he gets up to that level, yeah, that would be super fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a bit preemptive, but I do, I do think he has the pa- the power to trouble anyone in that division because like it, a bantamweight, a bantamweight is kind of like a mini version of heavyweight in the sense that you, I think you're kind of at that weight class where you can turn someone's lights out like instantly like we've seen i mean i know cody garbrandt's got a bit of an issue with his chin but he was knocked out by um munoz and munoz isn't really renowned for being a puncher i, I feel like the, the, there is a there's a small margin for error in this division and um, with Baggerell's power that could give him a massive advantage as he climbs up the ranks yeah i mean and another rising prospect got got the win straight after that pat sabatini i was a little disappointed he didn't finish this to be honest i know Connolly's, i think a, a black belt or a brown belt in uh in BJJ, so you know, it's not you know like Sabatini was fighting some scrub, but I don't know. I, I he had his back for like two and a half minutes in the first round, like two and a half minutes in the second round, and I feel like he really should have been doing more to try and finish. He kind of seemed like he was just happy to to kind of you know win the rounds, sit on his back, you know, keep him in the in the body triangle. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think he was like, I, I think he was trying to go for the submissions, but I, I, to all in all fairness, like Tristan Connolly is a pretty good BJJ. Whiz, like yeah. I think he he teaches well. He part time teaches like computer science or something, and he's also a part time BJJ coach. So he knows his way. He knows his way on the mat. But I think Sabatini, I think he just needed to get the win. Like I think he's been out of the octagon for or he's been out of the cage for quite a while because it, I think his first fight in the UFC fell through. Um, that was a few months ago. We were excited for that one as well. Yeah, I think it was I think it was due to COVID. But I, I to be honest, again, like CFC, CFFC, like they they're bringing out some bangers like Chikagian. Um, Aljo, Paul Felder, those are all four. Uh, don't get me started. Do you see what he was? Do you see what Aljo was, was tweeting <laughs> during the card? Um, Jan, I can't remember what Jan. Jan tweeted something about. Oh, it was the Oscars were this weekend. That was it. Um, Jan tweeted something about like you know congratulations to uh, Aljamain Sterling on his Oscar uh, nomination tonight. And then Aljo made some weird joke about like. <laughs> I don't know, jizzing on Jan or something. And everyone was like, bro, that's really weird. You phrase that so it's like the wrong way around. And he was like, I don't care. He's still got his, you know, my nuts in his mouth or something. And it's just like, Aljo needs to stop trying to play heel because he's so bad at it. It's embarrassing. Like, it's cringe bad how how bad he is at playing the heel. Yeah, it's too contrived, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. I mean, it, it feels like a really bad WWE script. Chael Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Chael was good at it. Chael delivered it in a way that made it funny. Okay, Colby's probably a better comparison. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, and then uh, Brendan Allen did uh, did what I was asking Sabatini to do and, and got a submission, uh, a really nasty one as well. It was one of those, you know, they, they always say, don't they, about the heel hooks where like one one second you're fine Wrenched. and the next second you're screaming in agony. Um, and uh, everyone heard the the Robson the Robson scream. Um, there was some sort of I don't know. I want to say like nervous moments for Allen on the feet in the in the start of the first round because he did just get chinned in his last fight by Strickland. Yeah, I think. I mean, the deficiencies were on the ground, weren't they? We always knew that going into the fight because Robson, what was he? Who was he submitted by? Was it Vittori? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, by. Vittori was super pissed at him. Remember, <laughs> tried to fight yeah. him at the hotel, and then the second they got in the octagon, just sprinted at him and took him down and choked him out. And I don't know if he. I don't know if middleweight is the right division for him. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it just seems like he's a bit out of his depth in terms of the, the strength and the, and the the muscle mass, maybe. 
but either way, Brennan Allen did what he was what he was supposed to do. I agree. I think he did. He showed a bit of frailty. Um, maybe it's the hangover effect from Sean Strickland. I don't know, but like, I think there are some questions about his gin. I I I do worry about him if he climbs up the ranks and meets someone like a, I don't know, like an Eric Anders or something. Um, I I don't think that's like a good idea for him. But yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I was more disappointed with Robson because like, I mean, losing by heel hook isn't. I mean, the last the, the only one I can think of that's happened in recent memory is like Kelvin Gastelum to Jack Hermanson. Which, to yeah. be honest, if you're an elite, if you're an elite mixed martial artist, you shouldn't be losing by heel hook. Like, you shouldn't be letting yourself get in that position. Um, All I think about when it, whenever there's a heel hook even attempt, let alone an actual successful one, now is um, the Roman Delidze fight against uh, was it John Allen, where he spent basically the entire fifteen minutes trying to heel hook him. It was Doing absolutely ridiculous. Rules, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so stupid. <laughs> that was one of the dumbest fights of the year, if it was yeah, this year. I don't remember. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's such like low caliber skills. Like you, you, you really should not be losing by heel hook at like any level of like professional MMA, really, because you should be able to defend it. Um, or I think or at all, least all of his four losses now are by submission. So yeah, um, I mean, I, I mean, as I say, clear, pr- pretty blatantly as a weakness yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, to be honest, I don't think he'll be in the UFC for much longer if he's not already out. Um, what is that like? Two is that two losses on the bounce? Actually, it might be three. Uh, I believe so. It could be three. I'm not sure. I haven't checked. Um, but yeah, just he's at least been submitted twice in a row. So um, yeah, we'll move on to uh, the biggest robbery. I've seen in a long time, and that's from someone who had money on Dwight Grant. Uh, was it was it was it um, Sakula? She posted being like, I, I saw an Instagram post where like everyone was like, how like that that is ridiculous. I think it was Sakula. She posted it. He was just like, what do I have to do? Like, I've not seen I've not seen any of, any of either of their reactions to the to the to the decision. Now can't speak. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming Grant knows he was lucky as well. I've not seen any, anything posted by either of them, but it was so blatant that. I the fight ended. I had money on Grant, and it was like the last leg of an accumulator from a couple of the prelims that I'd won on. So I needed Grant to win. I got up after the fight ended to go and you know go to the toilet, get a beer, get get some food ready for the for the main card. I was like, oh, that's that's over. I've lost that bet. And I come back and they're holding Grant's hand up. I'm like, what the hell? I've never seen a more blatant. I, I, every Sekulich won every round. It was I thought it was 30-27 Sekulich. Yeah, I thought it was pretty clear and obvious to me. Um, and not not only to do it every round, he kind of like exposed Grant in every pretty much in pretty much like every area. Like I I didn't think there was a, I didn't think there was a moment enough. Nope, oh, quite where like Zakuj was losing. So I was a bit yeah, surprised well, when Grant got got the decision. Like you say, he took um, away Grant's weapons. Like you know, Grant is known for that one punch power, and he was smart and didn't get drawn into any you know brawls and and get sucked into the pocket where that could be an issue for him. You know, he pieced him up from range. He used his takedowns when he needed to. I know Grant did a pretty good job of getting up from the takedowns, but I mean, still, like, it was complete still, uh, domination. But he still did some really. damage, didn't he? Like, yeah, even when he took it, it, it wasn't, he it wasn't a, a brutal domination, like, you know, Max versus Cater kind of domination, but it was domination. Like, he won every facet of the fight, like you say. Yeah, uh, I don't... I, it'll be interesting to see, like, what Dana says, I, don't, I haven't actually seen anything, like he said anything in the post press conference or anything. But I, th- I think the Schmo put out a little clip of like an interview with Sakulic or something. Um, yeah, I'd be gutted. Like if I was on the if I, and it, it's, uh, there was a robbery in the boxing as well. Um, David Adelaide versus um, Camille Sokolowski. But like 
this, this to me was another level because I just I couldn't I couldn't even score a round for Grant, let alone like, I, say, like I thought 3027 sacrilege. I left the room, went to get some drinks and some food, and uh, I actually came back and was like mind blown that <laughs> I, I genuinely there's not a single part I haven't rewatched it yet, but if I do, I'm sure I'll see the same things. I'm sure I'll not see a single aspect of that fight where I'm like, okay, Grant's winning this fight. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous, and I assume it was one of those that's so blatant that they'll consider that in their matchmaking for the two of them. Like Sekulich, I hope they'll give him sort of a slight step up in competition rather than treating it as a loss. Yeah, I think so. I mean... Because uh, they've done that before. Yeah, yeah. I think they will, to be honest. Yeah, and then um, before we get onto the main card, got to talk about Alex Oliveira getting embarrassingly choked out by one hand. <laughs> yeah. mm. Again... Like, how are we in a position where, be like, considering the amount of fights that Oliveira's had, like, he's he's a veteran of the game. He should be savvy on the ground. He shouldn't be making such rookie mistakes. And I'm a massive fan of Cowboy. I think he's like, he's one of the funniest guys in the UFC. Like, to me, he's like the. I don't know when when, when you think of those like iconic characters like a Chael or like a Cerrone or a McGregor or something like. You've got to put Oliveira up there as well because I think he is just such a character. But I was a bit disappointed because well, yeah. he just got guillotined in his last fight as well. So you talk about rookie mistakes. I mean, yeah, that's as rookie as it gets. Yeah, and again, and again, someone like Randy Brown, who I don't particularly rate that highly. Like, it just I don't know. I was kind of expecting Oliveira to do some like mad batshit, like spin kick or something. But um, yeah, that didn't happen. But yeah, it was just, it was one of those fights where I was just like, not that I was unhappy with the result because again, I have no favorites, so it doesn't really matter to me. But it, I just felt quite like dissatisfied because like I would expect a rookie to get choked out with one arm. I wouldn't expect like what a thirty-five veteran to get choked out with one arm. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty. I mean, to be honest, I think he quit. I think he quit. Um, like you say, a guy with that much experience, you don't get choked out by one arm unless you quit. Yeah, yeah, and and <clears throat> I think he'll go back to the drawing board and just kick himself because I didn't. I, I kind of felt like Randy Brown was there for him to like make a bit of a statement and. He ended up coming short, and now was he like two, three fights good? Did anyone go on Randy Brown's Twitch afterwards to find out what the fuck he was talking about? He, he said, like, if you want to see what the beef was about between me and Cowboy, come and look at my Twitch. Did anyone go on his Twitch? I, I've not seen anything about it on Twitter. I, even know, I, I must admit, like, I didn't even know he had Twitch. I just <laughs> he spent his entire post-fight conference saying, "Go, on, go on Twitch, go on Twitch, and I'll tell you what the beef was about." Because Joe was asking him, like, was there some, you know? beef going on there between the two of you and he was like yeah there was check out my twitch and i'll tell you what it was and he dropped his twitch name like three times i wonder if he gained any subscribers off that i hope for his sake he did (laughs) (laughs) it was saying probably not but i hope for his sake he did um main card kicked off with uh a bit of a sean o'malley incident here (laughs) anthony smith versus jimmy crew i have to say you know and i don't want to criticize him too much because obviously bike was just getting started freak injury but i was a little bit disappointed by crew in this fight for like before the injury happened, because I don't know, I just thought he would come out and just put it on Smith instantly, just pressure him, take him down, maul him, do what he's good at. And it kind of felt like the nerves got to him a little bit. You know, the big, this is the biggest stage he's been on so far in his career. And, you know, he was just getting pieced up by Smith's jab even before the injury. Yeah. And as you say, like the fact he didn't go for a takedown immediately. And then when he was injured and went for two day downs at the end of the round, landed them pretty easily. Yeah, he got like, them with his leg not working. Yeah, like, it just, if, you, it if you could have me. gone for them early when, when your legs were working fine, you would have been fine. And and yeah, it was just like he was a little bit hesitant almost. 
Yeah, and I, I really, I think, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I don't really think the loss does much. In... Oh, your internet's gone. I'll pick up where you left off. Um, loss doesn't do, didn't do him much harm, no, because he, you know, everyone saw exactly what happened. Yes, it's a loss on the record, but he, you know, got a freak injury that we just saw O'Malley bounce back from and get even more popularity from even. Um, are you back? You're back. I I'm basically back. stole alive. your entire point, So <laughs> I just continued what you were going to say and just stole it um, and, and said, yeah, like the loss doesn't hit him that much because like, yes, it, it still counts as a loss. Smith deserves credit for the kick and it was a good technique and everything. But, you know, everyone can see what happened. And unlike O'Malley, he actually wanted to continue and wasn't a little bitch. Did you see how angry he was? Like, that's what I was saying. Like, it was the, the thing I like about Jimmy Crew is that he, he fights with a lot of heart. Like, there's raw emotion that goes into his fights, and you could, you could see that he was frustrated by loss. But at the same time, I think, like, Smith's offered to train with him and things. So maybe that'll, I think that'll benefit him. Because if you if you remember, he lost to Serkinov, and then Serkinov's in his corner. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I feel like that's quite important in like, a young fighter's career if you, if you do lose to, like, learn off, learn from your losses and, and learn from the best. And I, I do think Smith will give him, like, the knowledge. I, I, I can see Crew becoming a top contender in the future. I really can. I think he's got it. I think he's got the game plan. It, as you say, it was just, and it wasn't an accident. It was a well timed kick, and it was a well placed kick. But yeah, it's it's it it's just, one of those where it's it's unlucky for Crew, but it's not lucky for Smith. It was a deliberate, yeah, technique. I tell you what, that nerve though. As I said to you, it's the metatarsal of football, isn't it? Like, yeah, literally. well, I, I I fucking said to you when it, when it happened, everyone's gonna start doing that shit now. Everyone just like, oh, they know, already we, are. We, we moved down the leg to calf kicks and calf kicks became the thing that everyone was doing. Now it's going to be aim for the side of the knee, aim for the perineal nerve or whatever it's called. Like it's going to be a whole training camps around <laughs> how do we kick his perineal nerve? Um, and I, and I just wonder how, how many fights in the next year or two will we see that shit happen? Because I it's mean, a very, what, two now in the last, well, I don't know, 12 months. It's a very weird, well, probably three as well. If you consider, if you consider McGregor, McGregor pretty much had the same, Oh yeah, just just not as uh not quite as blatant as, Injury as against, the one um, this weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I mean hats off to Anthony Smith for getting back in the win column as well. No, he's not he's not back in the win column. That was his second fight in a row, wasn't it? Because he's just yeah, he, beaten sub- he submitted um Devin Clark. Uh, Devin Clark in his last fight, yep. And then did you see which I, I don't want to talk about the Weidman injury too much, to be honest, because it made me feel physically ill. But did you see Anthony Smith found out he was doing his press stuff back backstage after his win, and like he heard the crowd and and asked he asked the reporters what happened. And one of the press guys said, um, "Weidman's leg just got Anderson silvered." That's what he said to him. I don't know if you, if you turn the volume up on the clip of Anthony Smith finding out. One of the reporters says, "Oh, Weidman just got Anderson silvered." <laughs> so brutal. And um, you and know, the worst thing well, as genuine as heartfelt as as you could you know as what we, what you would expect from Smith. He's just such a good dude, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is, and I think that's honestly, I think that's worse than the end, the end, the Anderson Silver injury, purely because of the step. Like again, I don't want to talk oh, too much about it. Yeah, but <laughs> the step back onto it. I we said this, didn't we, d- during the fights? The 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 break was bad enough, but if you're just fallen back and fallen yeah. onto his back, like well, that's why I think he's worse than recovering. He might recover in a year. Because um, if you look at Anderson, yeah, Anderson just squealed oh, and fell down. Like the step was horrible. Yeah. And I don't know why they needed to show that shit in slow mo. Like no, they could have just agree. they could have just showed the kick and then cut the replay there. They did not need to show the step. The step was horrendous. And imagine for him as well, that was going on the big screen. Obviously, he can't see it, but he can hear the crowd reacting to it. So he's laying there on the floor in agony, and he can hear the crowd going, "Oh!" <laughs> like, so he just knows it's going to be terrible as well. 
Yeah, uh, to be honest, though, I, I thought Uriah Hall was excellent in the Oscar and excellent on the mic as well. I thought like he showed real sympathy. And don't forget, they've got quite a history. Like, yeah, they were talking shit out. about each other before this fight about um, Hall was saying Weidman's not actually from New York <laughs> because he's from Long Island or some shit like that. I don't know the, the intricacies of the boroughs of New York, but there you go. Yeah, but it was, again, it was nice to see like they put their rivals, well, he put his rivalry aside and gave deepest sympathies to like the Wyman family and stuff. And then I don't know if you've seen the update, but um, I think he's got like eight weeks till he can walk again. So mm-hmm. he's he's had successful surgery. Um, yeah, I mean, I, some injuries, like injuries are unfortunately a part and parcel of professional sport, not just MMA, but like, yeah, that was gnarly, man. I don't want to see that again. No, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, Valentin Shevchenko made me look like a bit of a fool for predicting at the start of the year when we did our, <laughs> if you remember, we did our title predictions for each weight class. And I said, I think Andrade is going to shock the world and be the champ at 125 at the end of the year. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Complete domination. I, I, this sounds really bad because I, 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 I do rate Shevchenko really highly, but I nearly fell asleep in this fight because it was just so like, I don't know. I, she's, I think, I think the that's probably because it was half four, mate. <laughs> yeah, that too. But also, I think the trouble is that like one twenty five is just so shallow, and it's and there's such a golfing class between the champion and the rest of the, the division, and it, it's just a bit boring. It kind of reminds me of like DJ when DJ was on that remarkable run at flyweight. It just seems like the same kind of thing. And I well, yeah, like Joe asked her after the fight, like who he kind of said, he kind of alluded to it. He was like, you know, there's you know so many people that you've beat now. Who yeah, like, well, who is there left for you to fight? Do you want to see a fight at Joanna Colwood? Nope. <laughs> like, she's already beaten Jennifer Meyer. Roxanne with a fairy? Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> don't, don't do that to Roxy. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, actually, was quite simply, who the hell should Valentina fight next? And I have a suggestion. Best of seven series with Amanda Nunes. Because, <laughs> let's, let's be honest, that's the only fight Nick, that you anyone my cares idea. about <laughs> either of them. Oh, did I? Sorry. <laughs> that's, like, you can say the same thing about Nunes, too. There's no one, really, that you look at in the division below Nunes and go, oh, yeah, that's a good fight. She could really give her a run for her money. Like, there's no one. It's only Shevchenko. And, and likewise, you know, vice versa for, for Shevchenko. So, like, you know, most people think it's it's 1-1. It, on on the record books, it's two nil Amanda. Make it a best of seven series. Have them fight once every six months, and, and do it at both weight classes as well. Like get Amanda to cut weight. Go on, like and Valentina's huge as well. By the way, for a one twenty five, like she looked absolutely hench in there. Like Andrade is pretty pretty butch herself, but um, Valentina looked absolutely huge. She could easily, you know, if given the time to do it properly, get to a get to one thirty five again, just like she did last time, and. Uh, it was a very know, vintage I think, I think, performance, wasn't it? I think she could beat Amanda if she performed. If she, I don't know. I just, I have a. There just seems like there's something about Valentina she, at the moment. I think if she bulked up, she could. I think the the the, the difference in it, it, it is a bit similar to Yan and Izzy in my eyes. Like, yeah, I think Izzy can beat Yan if he bulks. But um, I'm a bit worried that Amanda is just too big and too strong. I I know the the previous fight was close, but like the first fight wasn't close at all. And I, I would say the second fight wasn't particularly close because maybe Amanda took her eye off the ball a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's the only logical option. And to be honest, I mean I was a bit disappointed because Dana was like Dana came out and said, "Oh, we'll only make that fight if the, if the two girls are interested." That kind of thing. But there's literally, as you've alluded to, there's literally no one else in yeah, in the no three divi- in the three divisions. There's no one else for them to fight, which is just bonkers. 
Yeah, I mean they're that good that they've just separated themselves that far from the pack. So, Actually, to yeah. be fair, I would sure. I, I I know they're buddy buddy, but I would love to see Rose versus Valentina at some point, even though like it's That'd a weird fun. one because yeah. I think you might have the same issue though. You just brought up with Nunes to Valentina, where Valentina would just body her and just be too being too strong and just take it down at will. Um, but I sort of thought the same thing about Wei Li Zhang, <laughs> and that didn't happen. Another one, I I got both of these wrong. Um, I mean the Valentina one. I kind of just picked Andrade because it would, I just wanted to do something different and not pick the heavy favorite. Um, but I don't know. I really thought Weili Zhang was like this dominant force that was just going to shit on everyone in her division for for as long as she wanted, basically. This might sound controversial. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not calling her chinny, but I didn't expect her to get dropped so easily. Like, And, and the kick to me, I, I know Rose kind of threw it, or threw it with like, intent but it didn't really look that I don't know to me it just looked like a normal head kick you know what I mean like it didn't look, it, there wasn't a, there was a bit of a snap because she obviously she went it didn't the, get blocked at all though that's the thing like normally they yeah. kind of half partially it was right on, it was right if, on the buzzer anything, wasn't it that, yeah. I think that's the thing normally um, if anything they partially block it and, and take a bit of the a bit of the heat off it but it was literally like shin to the chin yeah. straight on Like I'll tell you what that, I mean let's just talk about the kick she literally went from low to high in like the space of a second that's the thing was, that I was so mind blown by is that there was no, like, Waitley couldn't have seen that coming because there was no indication it was coming at all. It was like, it was a millisecond, boom, the kick was there. There was no wind-up. There was no, like you say, like, indication that she was about to do what she was going to do. Like, it was just so perfect in every way. It kind of reminded me of what Izzy did to Costa. Like, you know when Izzy threw that, like, half question mark kick? And mm-hmm. the, the, the one that initially clipped Costa and then had to the finish, like, kind of what... It reminded me of that, but Rose did it better. Uh, I think, to be honest, Trevor Whitman. I, I will talk more about Trevor Whitman in about well, a couple of minutes. But <laughs> yeah, forget Habib. Trevor Whitman as the coach of the year. I don't care what anyone else says. Like the miracles that he has worked with, not only Rose but Usman and Gaethje and a number of others is just insane. The man is a genius, and it's about time he gets the respect he deserves because a lot of people have doubted him over the past. Um, I mean, when Rose lost to Andrade, everyone was calling him every name under the sun, and he's completely turned it around. And I'm delighted for him. But at the night belonged to Rose. I thought her little celebration, like her little celebration, was really adorable. You know, when she was just like jumping up and down, like yeah, with glee. And then she it was, was just they zoomed in on the belt, and she was like almost shaking, holding the belt. Yeah, and the way she was grabbing it was kind of like almost a little bit of disbelief that I finally got, I got it back. You know what I deserve because you know as as much as you have to give credit for Andrade for what she did in their first fight. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, once in a thousand thing that you're going to get knocked out by a slam like that. Like, it's a pretty freak thing. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I think it was just more the fact that Rose got lazy and yeah. made a mistake than anything. Like, it, I, I think she would have ended up doing what she did in the second fight and, well, controlling the range and piecing her up um, or outstriking her. But I was, I was, yeah, I was blown away. The, 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 entire, the entire main card was ridiculous, never mind like the prelims, but it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful performance from Rose, and I, 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 I'm kind of curious as to see who she'll get next. Maybe like a, maybe the, well, I think she alluded to, didn't she? Like the winner of, um, uh, Cara Sparza and Yan Jinao. Is it Jiannan? Is that yeah? Yeah. Is that well, him, is I think, um, Weili Zhang said on Instagram afterwards that like hopefully they make a rematch or something. That's not um, <laughs> Yeah, like I, I like Weili Zhang. I think she's really good. Like I said, I thought she was going to be a dominant champion and reign over the division for a long time, but that doesn't fit the criteria for an immediate rematch. Like what she had one title defense. Was that it? Was Joanna her only title defense? 
and then yeah. get sparked out in the first round without really throwing much of a strike. Like, that's... I'm sorry. That's, that's I have a better suggestion. I have a better suggestion. We do a title eliminator. Wally Jang versus Joanna and Jacek. Yep, there I knew go. we were going with that because get I've got it written on my notes as well. <laughs> the fights I want are... You know, forget the forget the one you just mentioned. I don't care about that fight. I'm not going to lie. I want Mackenzie Dern versus Rose, and I want the title eliminator to be Zhang against Joanna. Put them on the same card. Do you want Dern to resemble a pink cushion? <laughs> <laughs> but imagine, like you know, you have a a big main like it could be Connor versus Dustin, and then the co-main is Rose against Dern, and the the fight before that is Joanna against Zhang. That'd be an abs- That would be so crazy. Or the main could be Alex Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. Yeah, but that's some way down the line as well because of uh, because of tough. Um, we'll move on. Kamaru Usman, shut up all the haters once and for all. If he hadn't already, I don't know why he still had haters, but um, you called it, mate. Just don't doubt the guy. Like I'm, I've, I've, I've gone on record on this podcast saying like anyone who calls him boring is an idiot, and Dana completely agreed. The guy is not boring. Um, he's just like I, I don't know how to explain it, but. The, the levels that he's progressed at are ridiculous. Like it, it's almost exponential, really. He has he has transformed himself from predominantly being a wrestler with heavy hands to a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Who, let's face it, he didn't even wind up that punch. Like it was literally just like a, a, a straight hook, realistically. And I mean, it's quite ironic because I've seen so loads of clips of that infamous bit where Masvidal was saying, "Oh, Usman, like." Doesn't really punch power I found it funny that he couldn't think of a word for not hard. <laughs> he, he goes, he doesn't hits, hit hard. And then he like he, he like stops and pauses and goes, not hard, not that hard. <laughs> like he stopped and paused for a good three seconds and could not think of a word for soft. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that, that punch was there right from the start. Masvidal was too cocky, was fighting with his hands way too low, and didn't respect Usman's striking. And I think he, I think. I, I, not that I necessarily agree with Kobe, but I do agree with him. I think he kind of thought his man would shoot a lot more. But he it's said so... afterwards, didn't he, that he didn't respect his power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there could be a bit of that as well, where he was expecting a more takedown heavy game plan. But I think also as well, like, I mean, any 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 doubt right now that Usman isn't the best wealth weight on the planet, you, you might as well get out the door. Because I, I can't see anyone beat. I think this division is his for the, for the taking. Really, I can't. I think he'll clear out the rest of the contenders. I can't. I I, I like Wonderboy, but I can't see Wonderboy really troubling him. I think the only one who could potentially, but maybe it's the British bias in me. But I think if Leon Edwards finishes Nate Diaz in fact emphatic fashion, he might actually get a title shot ahead of Kobe Covington because I just think the communicate. I feel like the Kobe rematch negotiations will end that fight. Like Kobe can't negotiate with the FC. There'll be some form of breaking point, and the relationship will fall apart. And then he'll have to fight like a RDA again or something like that. Um, but full credit to Usman, man. I mean, like, it's just so cut. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but like, I don't know if you saw when he was um, when Bruce Buffer was announcing the names. He just looked so relaxed. Like he like he was just like swinging from side to side. Like, but if you looked at his eyes, he was so focused. He didn't blink, and he was just looking straight at Masvidal. And you just knew he was going to stick to the game plan. Like Trevor Whitman, I mean, full credit to Henry Hoof for turning into like a ridiculous wrestler. But what Trevor Whitman has done to like complement the wrestling with using his hands in the right way, it is just remarkable. Um, you see Whitman's go- reaction as well to the knockout. Yeah. He like barely moved. Everyone was freaking out, and he was just, was just ice like cold. The guy is an yeah. absolute psycho. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think 
to be honest, like I'm going to go on record now and just say Usman is pound for pound number one. And I, I'm saying this, uh, I, I think John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. But right now, in terms of like, you can only go as, as far as the best fight. Jones's last fight was against Dominic Reyes, which was a close, like I against called it for Jones, but it was a close decision. Usman has just finished Jorge Masvidal and previously beat Gilbert Burns. Like, it, and finished Burns as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, this is, I'll tell you this the, the I mean. one weakness it's Usman baffling. does have. I don't know if you saw the pictures that were going around of uh, how sk- how scrawny his legs are. There were <laughs> there were people tweeting like tweeting pictures of his legs after the fight, saying, "Look, look legs, how scrawny yeah, yeah. his legs are." And I read apparently, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently he can't work out legs really because his knees are so fucked up that he literally can't. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a wrestling thing, isn't it? Yeah, like if you, like if you wrestle so too much, you lo- lose all your cartilage or something. I think. Yeah, so he can't actually like buff up his legs. So I'll tell you what his downfall is going to be. Someone's going to kick that perineal nerve, and Usman is going to be done. That's going to be his downfall. Come on, that. Do it. Falling down. <laughs> when yeah, when Leon Edwards kicks that perineal nerve and wins in December or whenever they fight, we'll come back to this part and we'll say, "God damn, Ben's a genius." <laughs> do, do we? Oh, we just talked about that, actually. I was going to say, do we see Colby being next? But you think, Leon, I, I prefer to see Colby, to be honest, even though I think Usman would win again. I just, that fight was so much fun. I prefer to see Colby. But, you know, we'll, we'll stick with the British bias. We'll hope it's Leon. <laughs> no, the only, honestly, the only reason I think it will be Leon is because I just can't see Colby, like, agreeing to... I, I think it'll be, like, such long negotiation. I know Dana's already said that Colby's next, but to me, it's just, like, Every time that Dana and the and the UFC go to the negotiating table with Kobe, something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any reason to believe that it won't happen again. And we have to award each of us a Garbrandt game plan winner for uh, any first time listeners. After every card, we like to give out a Garbrandt game plan winner to which is to someone who displays an elite lack of <laughs> fight IQ, game plan, tactics, whatever you want to call it. Just someone who just completely shits the bed in the brain department during a fight. And I'm going to give mine to Arichi Lang for forgetting to move his head. I have not seen head movement that bad since Mike Perry. That was <laughs> that third round. He literally was just a punching bag. His head did not move off the center line once. And uh, his face showed the results. Yeah, I think that was completely fair. As you say, no head movement, literally just on a straight line. Um, target practice is probably the best way of describing it. That's I'm going to go with Alex yeah. Oliveira, purely because as a veteran, you shouldn't be getting sub with one arm. It was it was it was a close one though because Carl Robeson was also in the running. Yeah, but you got to give credit to Alan for. He- I mean, as as much as you say you shouldn't be getting heel hooked, it's it's cool to see a heel hook come off. I'm not going to lie, it's cool to see one come off. <laughs> so uh, we'll move on to uh, a couple of bits of news before we talk about PFL and this week's UFC card. Um, Izzy versus Marvin is set for UFC 263. That's the Moreno versus Figueredo card. Obviously. The immediate reaction to this was, why the hell is this not Whitaker? Um, Whitaker wouldn't be ready for that date, and Izzy wants to fight on that date. So it makes sense. Whitaker can have the winner. He's definitely done enough to just be able to sit aside now and wait for the winner. He doesn't need to fight again. Um, do you see this going any differently to the last one? Yes. The last the last time these two fought? Yes. I think Izzy's going to finish Marvin Vittori. I think, um, I think Marvin will be too full of ag, and Izzy will be smarting from that loss to... Blahowitz and will want to make a statement. I, I think we'll see a far hungrier Adesanya than we've seen in the UFC so far. And I think he'll be wanting to put on, well, I think he'll be wanting to silence the critics, but I also think he'll be wanting to like remind himself of his actual talents mm-hmm. and what, like, uh, what his best attributes are. And I think Vittori will just walk straight into the, 
them and do a cluster. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. The the thing I, I don't get about what Vittori's been constantly saying whenever he talks about wanting a rematch, every single time he talks about wanting a rematch, he says, I've improved so much since we last fought. I've improved so much since we last fought. Um, so is Izzy, bro. <laughs> like, is don't forget Izzy was still a you know a UFC newcomer basically when he fought Vittori. Like, you know, he'd had I think might have been like his second or third fight. It wasn't his first, but you know, he wasn't the experienced guy he is now who's for all you know all all kinds and and you know gone five rounds with Blahovic, which yes he lost but that that five rounds will have done in the world of good um you know if he can learn from those 25 minutes with with Jan then there's no way he's not going to be able to handle a smaller version a smaller and less talented version of that in Vittori um, I, also I think, like Vittori but that's just a fact I also think that Vittori Jack Hamilton aside, hasn't fought anywhere near the level of opposition as you alluded to. That no, he hasn't has. fought a top five. He's, no. he's getting a title shot without without fighting a top five, which is and, and coming, off, coming, coming off like a win against Kevin Holland may look great to like the casual fan who likes Kevin Holland, but that's not a power coster. That's not a, a like if he'd fought someone like a Jared Cannonier, right? Um, or a Till, I may have been like, I may have been like, oh, okay, fair enough. That's like. Not a deserved title shot, but you might have a chance here. I'm still not giving him a chance. I, I just can't see anywhere. Like even in terms of even in terms of the takedowns, I think Izzy's takedown defense has improved dramatically. Um, and I, I I do think Bearman will just come up with a game plan where I, I think we could see another highlight reel finish. Yep, and then the uh, the other big one that's been well not announced, but they're saying they're going to make it. Is Dana says Derek Lewis is next for Francis Ngannou. Um, Ngannou actually said this weekend when he was interviewed that. You know, no, he still hopes it's John Jones, but let's be honest, that's probably not going to happen. Um, I, I want to give Derek Lewis a chance in this fight. I really do because I love Derek Lewis, but I don't know. I have a, there's a, we said this after Francis won the belt. There's kind of a, like an air of invincibility about him almost where it feels like, okay, this is his time now. He's going to like skyrocket to superstardom. And obviously the John Jones fight would be more useful to skyrocket him to stu- superstardom, but, um, I don't know if he can finish Derek Lewis, that would go a long way. <laughs> I think you want to wipe away the stain oh, of the first fight. You, you were silent honest. then for a second when you were talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're back. It's all good. Um, we'll cut it out in the edit. Okay, good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. Um, I think I think you want to wash away the stain of the first fight. Let's be honest, it was dire. Uh, that's probably the worst fight in UFC history. Um, and I, I think, to be honest, like, as much as we all love Derek Lewis, he's very one-dimensional, and Francis has clearly added a lot more elements to his game. Like mm-hmm. we saw that in terms of the like that sprawl, yeah, the sprawl, but also like the way he took Stipe's back. And Lewis doesn't exactly have like the best ground like defense at all. So Could you see it play into Derek's hands at all. I wonder that, for, like you know, you say they'll they'll want to, you know, get rid of the uh, the first fight in people's minds. I feel like that won't affect Lewis. I feel like Lewis won't give a flying fuck, basically, about the first oh, fight. He'll just go he in there thinking. He... Yeah. So if Nganu goes in there thinking, you know, I need to put on a show, I need to make this an exciting fight, he could fall into a trap where Lewis just goes, I'm not going to make this an exciting fight. I'll sit back and wait for you to make a mistake. And it, and it could maybe play into Lewis's hands. I mean, I think we're also I think we're also forgetting, though, that like Lewis did land a few like haymakers on Nganu in their first fight. And I don't think Nganu's chin gets enough credit. At all. Yeah, we said this after he beat Stipe, didn't he? Didn't we? Yeah. Stipe landed the exact shot he slept Verdun with, and Francis just walked through it. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. He literally shrugged it off, and then the next shot finished him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I I feel like we're gonna get what we thought we were gonna get in the first flight. If we, if that, but I'm still convinced that John Jones is next. I think this is again just a play from Dana to get John to be like, all right, I'll accept like two million or whatever. Um, I don't think he was asking for thirty million, by the way. I don't know where he's got that number from, but I um, I, I it seems too outrageous to be true. Yeah. That that seems too outrageous to be true. Like, and the UFC yeah. itself doesn't generate that revenue. Like, why would mm-hmm. they? Why would they do thirty million? I I I was on a clubhouse chat yesterday. And I had a bunch of like these UFC fanboys being like, oh, UFC makes like 50 million every event. I'm like, no, no, it really, really doesn't. Like, you clearly do not understand sponsorship or advertising or like TV deals or anything. If you think it makes or, 50 or crack million. Streams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if you think it makes 50 million an event, like not only, not only early. And then finally, before we move on to PFL, Nick Diaz is officially back. Um, I've seen some people, I was going to ask you who should you fight. I only have one request of who he should not fight and because I've seen it touted on Twitter a little bit. I'm not going to pick who he should fight. I'm just going to say he should definitely not fight Hamzat Chimaev. I do he not want to see that. Because he won't honestly, fight Hamzat. And you may disagree with this. I think Chimaev would kill him. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just, agree. Just because, just because of the, the age difference, the athleticism. Like, he has obviously, Nick Diaz is way more talented, but that ring rust would be real, and Hamzat would just come in and maul him. Yeah, he hasn't fought in eight. I mean, it all depends on what, which weight class he fights out as well, like middleweight. Um, I, mean, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I mean, to be honest, I really want to see the Paul Daly rematch at some point, but I don't think we'll ever get that just because that fight was like, that That fight is probably my favorite fight of all time. Well, the two um, I saw people people discussing were Condit and Lawler, which to be fair, I'd kind of be happy with either one of just for a retirement fight. I probably more lean towards Lawler just because of where he's at. Like Condit's on a bit of a tear, isn't he? From uh, I don't remember. He won his last fight, but I don't remember exactly what his record is at the moment. I don't have that sort of info off the top of my head, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think... But I don't think they're going to give him... I don't think they're going to give him... I, I feel like they're probably going to give him a bit of a tune-up fight anyway. Like, But then it's Nick Diaz, isn't it? He's a name. They never really give names like a tune-up fight. I just, that's just the thing. I feel like they might do it. I feel like they might do the Hamzat fight because it's the perfect balance of you got the like imagine how imagine how like the way that would draw in the casuals as you call them like you know what I mean like yeah they'd be all over that like but flies on if, shit imagine if Kamzat loses that fight you've That'd just lost great. to a guy you've literally just lost to like a retired veteran essentially <laughs> I would love that um, we'll move on to PFL before we talk about the uh, the Reyes versus Prohaska card um, Brendan Lochnan did what we were hoping he would do and absolutely destroyed Shaman Moraes. Um, and I mean, Shaman's a good fighter. He's, you know, he's not, he's no bum. He's got some notable wins in the UFC. And uh, I mean, this wasn't close. He just absolutely destroyed him and skyrocketed himself to the top of the PFL league, which by the way, I said to you the other day, I, I'm pretty new to PFL. I'm not the, uh, the longtime PFL fan that you are. I love the league standing system. That's awesome. Encourage fighters to go out there and try and kill them in the first round. Yeah, the point, like, maybe it's just the fact we're Premier League fans, right? But, like, point scoring and stuff is just, as you say, awesome. I also really like the verdict MMA scoring. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw, like, how you can, vote, like, yeah. give your decision or whatever. It was just really cool to see, like, just the interaction. The whole, produ- the whole production on, on the, the whole thing was was really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed really it. Like me. I saw some people, like, shitting on, like the, like, the whole interactive, like, cage and whatever. I was like, have you not seen, like, the lights? Like, they're not saying it as in, like, you're going to get, like, AR or something. But like the, the the lights and like the way that the cage like is animated and like the, the different screens and everything, it does look really really professional. Um, I mean, I, and if you compare that, to, like I think honestly, 
I think PFL has overtaken Bellator. Like I was, I much more enjoyed watching that. And there was only one finish on that entire card. Well, Bellator um, only just started putting names on the screen when people are fighting. <laughs> so that doesn't take much to overtake Bellator. But, um, but let's about talk it, about Brendan Lochnan. Yeah. How good was he? Oh, sensational. Sensational, mate. In my interview, he, well, I didn't actually include it in the article, but he even made the prediction that it'd be a first round finish. Um, and apparently him and Shamer, like they've been in there for like what, like 17 days and they've both just been like eyeballing each other for like the entire two and a bit weeks. Um, Kinky. So, I, yeah. Well, no, Brendan just seemed very aggy. Like it, you could tell he just wants to let off steam. Um, yeah, from his celebration. I actually, actually really like, like, like or something like that. MMA media, get your act together. The amount of like questions, uh, when I was on the press conference call, the amount of like times he was asked about like the Dana White contender series stuff. I was just like, this is Brendan. Like, there are other things you can talk about. No one's asked him about like his relationship with Jesse Lingard or anything like that, um, which probably benefited my article. But it was just, I don't know. It really annoyed me that all like you could tell they hadn't done the research and were just like, oh, contender series that'll do something. And just, it, it, just the basic. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and he like when I was speaking to him privately, he literally couldn't give a job about like the contender series at all. Um, no, and that's the way that, like, if he was dwelling on that, then he wouldn't be able to progress in his career. That's yeah, exactly the way to be. Like, exactly. And he's entered this competition for a reason. He wants to be the champ. Like, imagine if Brandon Lockman becomes PFL featherweight champ. I, I a think... lot more money than he would at this stage of his career in the UFC. That's for damn yes, sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm, I'm so made up for him, honestly. Putting Manny on the map. Um, and it was just like the setup. Like, you, you could, like, he cracked him with the right hand pretty much like in the first, like, second of the opening round anyway. And then mm-hmm. just put him away with the. Absolute peach. Um, I actually kind of thought, like, at first I thought it was a bit of an early stoppage, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Yeah, he was asleep. <laughs> he was asleep. A <laughs> um, couple more impressive performances. Bubba Jenkins had one of my favorite moments of the weekend, even as good as the UFC card was, when he was stuck in a guillotine and he waved and smiled at the camera. That was absolutely amazing. Um, he was a pretty big underdog against, against Lance Palmer, who I think was on, what, like a 10-fight winning streak or something. And um, just, I mean, completely beat him in every, in every aspect I think third round was a bit closer but the first two rounds he dominated wherever he wanted to uh, do you know what's really funny as well I in, when I interviewed both of them um, there's a clip of it actually if you go on PFL Instagram you can look at it where pa- I it's, it's Palmer's response to my question where I basically say Bubba came out and said like oh I used to beat him up for like an orange soda and like fries or something um, yeah. or orange soda and a cat I can't remember it was something American um, uh, and when they were at high school and and Palmer was like Oh yeah, but I was wrestling and we were like, well, like 15, 16, like now we're MMA fighters, it's completely different and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but I just carried this energy around fight week. Like there was just something about it. And to be honest, like I was just really impressed with the fact that like he kind of like made a statement and lived up to it. Like he he fully delivered on everything he said he was gonna do. He said, Yeah, I mean, I didn't know about like, him before before this, but when I was watching the the pre-fight promos, I was like, damn, this dude is cocky. He's gonna either <laughs> eat his words or look like a badass after this. And it was the latter. Um he was really but, impressive. I, I, he was uh, saying the brave really like the he, he's competed in brave beforehand before mm-hmm. he joined PFL. Like that's clearly helped him like the experience. Like I think um but again Palmer's not out of it. Again, this is the beauty of the, the we'll talk about patches later, but like this is the beauty of the promotion. You're not out of the tournament if you lose a fight. Yeah. You just gotta like get I mean six points like Brendan Lochnan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Habulayev looked really good. I know his opponent wasn't really up to scratch, but he had that uh that Dagestani wrestling on point, absolutely dominant. Also um, reference Habib in the in the um 
post fight presser as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marcin held one as a big underdog. I mean, a, a lot of big underdogs won on this. You know, we just talked about Jenkins and Clay Collard, obviously, and and held. Yeah, Natan Schultz, as well. the, the two time champ, lost. Yeah. Um, so I mean that was really impressive. I not gonna lie, fell asleep during that one. It was on quite late here, so <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about that. But then you know an absolute banger of a fight to close out. Clay Collard against Anthony Pettis. I mean Pettis was on the receiving end of some huge combos and then nearly slept Collard. Yeah, uh, like first two rounds Collard won quite comprehensively, and then the second round like Pettis like kind of stepped up a gear and tried to like come back into the fight. I feel like it had been a five round fight. It might have been a different story actually. Cause... Possibly, yeah. Like Collard was quite wobbled in that in that like final thirty seconds, but full credit to Collard. Like the, the guy is an absolute um, beast. Like, I, I don't well, he used like... to be in the underdog as well from his boxing yeah. career. Yeah, exactly. Like what is he like nine and four as a bro boxer? I think. Um, like fights in top rank shows. He just likes. He just loves fighting. He's a really really sound guy. And like again, like I think that's what that's something I noticed about the PFL bubble. Yeah, there's a bit of needle between certain fighters, but there's a massive amount of respect between them all. Like it, it feels like, I don't know. I was, I was, I was asking a few of them about it and they were like, yeah, we kind of feel like modern day gladiators in the sense we're like cooped up in this essentially like large arena and we're all going to fight each other at some point. So we can't really like prank each other or like yeah. chat shit or whatever. Cause it's just, well, it's a bit redundant, but yeah, I was really impressed with Collard because Collard again was a massive underdog. Um, And picked him up, picked Petters apart. Basically, I think the boxing helped. I think like he kind of he made it a boxing fight, but made it like a dirty boxing fight in the sense that like the, the shots he was throwing weren't particularly off the box. Dirty box. Um, but... <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry, I couldn't resist. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I had to. Um, and I'm also trying to make sure we don't talk for like three hours since we have so many fights to talk about. Um, <laughs> we got more PFL this Thursday. Bit of a shame that uh, Magomed Karimov and and Konchenko is off. Um, was quite looking forward to seeing Konchenko compete again. I thought he was all right in the UFC, to be fair. Um, but we do get Rory McDonald versus Curtis Melinda. I know it's, you know, the ghost of Rory McDonald after Rory murdered him, but still, pretty, pretty excited for that one. Yeah, bang, again, two vets. Um, kind of surprised we didn't see that fight at some point in the UFC, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I think they're both in the same, I think they're both in the promotion at the same time. Um, but again, chatting to Robbie, Robbie, Rory. <laughs> Whoops, slip of the tongue. Um, again, seemed very light switched on, and I think this this bubble, I think this bubble's helped him in a way because he's less distracted by like I I, I think Rory is very much a confidence fighter, mm-hmm. and I think they kind of all feel like they're just in the gym basically, um, like locked in the cage, ready to fight. So I think zone, again, the happy place could see a bit of a statement from McDonald. Yeah, and then um, yep. another one I'm really looking forward to a lot. Ray, Ray Cooper, Cooper though. The third. Oh. <laughs> I've got a, I was looking at his record beforehand, yep. and he's got 20 wins. Every single one is by finish. Like that, that takes some doing. 20, uh, I'm 20 pro you, wins he's, all by he's, finish. He's probably going to finish Ponet in like the first, like, well, two. He just brings the heat. He has bad intentions every time he throws. Um, and he's the, he's the defending champ. So, well, I mean, they're not defending champs because it's a tournament, obviously, but he's a. Current champion, yeah, um, for a reason. Like uh, never, and he's never in a dull fight. So if you're gonna watch any PFL fight, just watch Ray Cooper. Although I was saying that, watch Saudi as well. We'll talk about. I was gonna say, and I, I put it on there because I knew you wanted you wanted to give it a little shout out. Saudi against Kamazi, that could be an absolute banger. But let's move on to UFC. Um, yeah. We got 
two kind of funny losses to to open up what, what the first fight we're going to talk about is uh Andreas Michalidis, who his funny loss was falling out of the cage against Bukowskis. Remember when everyone wasn't, wasn't really sure what, whether he was what weight class is this at? Um, I'm gonna assume what weight, what weight class is that? Weird, isn't it? Because Bukowskis is obviously like heavy. Yeah, but Bull is not very big, so, so Michalidis come down in weight. Um, yeah. Well, I was gonna say they both had kind of funny losses because. Michelidis, oh. yeah, he fell out of the cage and nobody knew whether he was actually knocked out or not. And Bully, if you remember, got knocked out clean by a <laughs> jab from Tom Breeze, which I don't know. I, I have a feeling Bull is just not UFC caliber and is going to get smoked again. Double knockout? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible, yeah. Michelidis doesn't exactly have the best chin either, but yeah. Bull again, that, the knockout Breeze got on him. Like, it wasn't even really... It was just like a like a test jab. It was just like, you know what I mean? He was just throwing it out there just to, you know, get I think his Breeze was surprised that he knocked him out. Yeah, that's, yeah. Breeze was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous that he got knocked out by that. And um, yeah, I'm not sure he's uh, he's UFC caliber. Hilarious dude though. I don't know if you saw his, his press stuff in before that Breeze fight where he was talking about like playing Pokemon Go and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, pretty funny guy. Um, Kai Kamaka always brings the absolute heat. Love watching him fight. He's fighting TJ Brown. Um, Banger. Yeah, I mean, Kamaka, his, his UFC debut was an absolute war with Tony Kelly, one of the most underrated fights of the uh, the lockdown era of the UFC um, last year. And um, then he got pretty much mauled by by Jonathan Pierce, who's fighting after that. Um, Pierce just, I think, had too much for him on the ground, just completely grapple-fucked him and beat the shit out of him on the ground, um, which does kind of worry me a bit as a, as a bit of a fan of Kamaka that TJ Brown is also very good on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I think, like as you say, Kamara's just got to keep it standing. Um, that's his, his yeah, he's a lot victory. of fun to watch on the feet. Yeah, I, again, I think I feel like this could be a sleeper for the fight of the night. To be honest, yeah, um, he always brings it. And then uh, a definite candidate, not a sleeper for fight of the night, is after that is Jonathan Pierce, who we just mentioned against Gabriel Benitez. I mean, you know, talk about always bringing it. Has there ever been a boring Gabriel Benitez fight? Nope. Fireworks written all over this fight. To be honest. And this is another one where I feel like it's kind of going to turn into striker versus grappler. Like Pierce is probably going to want to do exactly what he did to Kai Kamaka and, and Benitez is going to want to kickbox, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, having said that, if Pierce starts throwing hands, it could also be quite fun. Yeah, Pierce has heavy hands as well. Like you saw that, his ground and pound on, on Kamaka was brutal. Um, and and yeah, if, if that turns into just trading bombs, I might actually think Pierce is more likely to get the knockout, even though he is... The grappler first, striker second. Um, Pollyanna Battaglio is back. She is fighting Luana Carolina, who got that Lipsky submission of the year knee bar in her last fight, um, was on the receiving end of that. And I said this to you before we started recording, this might be the most one-sided fight on the card. Like, this is a complete mismatch. Yeah. Submission Botello written all over it, to be honest. Well, Botello, whatever she wants. Like, yeah. <laughs> her only losses in the UFC are to Jillian Robertson and Calvillo, who are both elite grapplers. Top contenders, like, yeah. Luana Carolina has nothing to offer, in my opinion, on the feet or on the ground. Yeah, quite literal cannon fodder. Yeah. Um, Merab Dejavili, I've given it my best shot, so there you go. Smashed it. <laughs> Cody Stamen. And this is a, this is a weird one because it's kind of wrestler versus wrestler, but... I don't know. There's something about Mayrab wrestling that's just it's another level, isn't it? It's the intensity, and like his gas tank is just on another planet. And I feel like Cody kind of like Cody's gas tank is kind of the opposite. Like Cody starts to fight really strong and then kind of tails off. Um, so yeah, 
I, I feel like I feel like this is kind of made for Mirab to be honest, because I, I, I don't think Cody's necessarily got like the the hands to trouble him. Yeah, and I mean Dodson does have hands, and Mirab pretty much just dominated him for 15 minutes in his last fight. So, yeah, I think I probably agree with that. Cody looked really good in the win versus um, Kelher, but then I don't know. I kind of expected him to be better against Jimmy Rivera, to be honest, mm-hmm. and was a little bit disappointed. Um, Another one we talked about before we started recording, Sean Strickland versus Chotko. That is another absolute banger. Like this card, considering we just came off what we think may be one of the most iconic cards of all time, this card is being slept on now because everyone's still buzzing from, from Saturday that they're not realizing there's absolute bangers all over this card. This might be like the legitimate um, like fight night, best fight, best, fight, best fight card of the year. Like, not like a pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, if, if these... You know, perform as we expect them to. This is definitely going to be in the conversation for non-pay-per-view card of the year. Um, I mean, Strickland was Jocko is like absolute striker's delight, isn't it? Yeah, oh, hundred um, percent. And both like top middleweights, or at least like on the cusp of maybe like pushing into like top ten. So yeah, I think I think if Strickland gets a an emphatic win here, that they'll push him a lot because that'll be I think three or four wins in a row, and that the win against Allen was really dominant. He looked super good in that and sparked him out. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I said this to you before we started. There's something about Strickland at the moment. He seems to have, like, since he came back from injury, he seems to have this kind of swag. I knew, I knew he always was super confident. I'm going to refrain from calling him cocky, but um, he always had that bit of swagger about him. But I don't know. There's something that's like an air of, yeah, just confidence about him that, I don't know. I think he's going to ride this momentum and just truck right through Jocko, to be honest, even though Jocko is a good striker. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think Strickland's just on, like, you know when fighters are on like that wave, right? Yeah, that's well, what. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. You, yeah. you said it better. <laughs> he's, he's on the wave. He's riding the wave, and um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about him at the minute. I really like him. I think he's on a on a hell of a streak, and it's going to continue. Um, your favorite fight of the night, mate, Kutalaba against Dustin Jacoby. How is this honestly? How is this so high up on the card? I feel like this should have been like opening the main card, if anything. Um. Yeah, I'm not asked at all. This is the stinker for me. Great. Great analysis, <laughs> mate. <laughs> really, really selling that one. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that, this may be the point that I fall asleep. <laughs> I was going to say, that'll be what, like 4 a.m. In the, in the UK when that one starts, if it's like second fight on the main card. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that'll probably be the one that, that puts you out. Um, and then you'll be woken up again by the GOAT the one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC, Cubs Swanson. Yeah, and uh, I, this is a banger. Jukadze versus Swanson. Like, I mean, Swanson's no joke like in any area, but Jukadze, I mean, I am of the opinion that Jukadze is a bit overrated, so this could be a proper acid test for him. Um, yeah. Exciting. I wonder I, if Swanson I, will try and use, because I've, I've heard a lot about him improving on the mat and and training jujitsu a lot more. Well, he's been training with Ortega. Use that. Yeah. Um, because as good as Chikadze has been, he's on like seven win streak, five and oh in the UFC. He's not really for someone who has proper grappling credentials, who can take him down and test him down there. He's not really been tested on the ground at all. It's just all been basically kickboxing fights. Yeah. 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 And, and as you say, I feel like Swanson is a bit more savvy. Let Chikadze kind of just like sticks to his game plan and just kickboxes, right? Um, so kind of, I feel like I feel like the advantage is with, is with Swanson, but then again, he has shown a bit of like a 
a fallibility when it comes to his chin. So well, that's what I think makes this so exciting. Is I lean towards Cub, but Chikadze is finish hunting. Like he wants, he said multiple times after the after his his wins on this streak that he's disappointed that he's not making the statement to you know like he's five and zero in the UFC, and you wouldn't find a casual who knows who he is. Like he wants that statement win where that's you know there's going to be five thousand retweets on Sports Center or whatever you know. Um, so he's going to be hunting that, and you know Cub always brings the heat. So. I think again, like we've said about about five different fights now, another fight the night contender. This is just such a, a such a fun card, and then it ends with one of the most exciting fighters on the entire roster, Injury Prohaska. Yes, oh, I, I'm not even joking, right? Like this to me is like potential fight of the year. I just think we could see something absolutely mad if their chins hold up. Yeah, if, if their, their chins, chins hold, hold up. up. Yeah, they're both they're both susceptible to to possibly getting chinned in the first round. <laughs> If it lasts that long, yeah, I I feel like we we could see a bit of it. I I, th- I think the trouble is, I think Yuri's experience will probably play out. We've kind of seen Reyes struggle against experienced opponents, like he struggled against Blyowitz, struggled against well, didn't struggle against John Jones, but like also couldn't do enough to win convincingly. Um, so yeah, I I, I and I I do I feel like if if Jan Blachowicz can knock you out, I. I, I think people are underrating Yuri's power as well. Like, as you said before that we recorded, he completely starched Volkan Ozdemir, and no one's done that before. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite high on this guy. I have been for ages, and I just I, I, I think we could be on we could be for something special. Um, I was a little bit stunned by his record, to be honest, when uh, when I went on there to look before we started recording because I obviously knew he's a knockout artist and he had a lot of knockouts on his record, but he's got 27 wins and 24 of them are by knockout. That is absolutely insane. I mean, that's such a high percentage and his last nine fights have been wins by knockout. Like that's just a crazy streak and, and really does speak to the power he has. Like you said, what he did against Volkan was, was insane, but I'm going to go against you on this one. I'm going to go for Reyes just because I think the, the loss against, Blahovic doesn't look that bad now after what Blahovic has just done to Adesanya. Like I feel like it's a little it's a little odd to me that people are kind of writing Reyes off for losing an extremely close fight to John Jones that he easily could have won 48-47, and then getting sparked by Polish power, who we just saw beat one of the best strikers in UFC history. Like, I don't know, I feel like Reyes is being kind of overlooked as I would put this more of like a 50-50 pick'em. And to have Reyes as a as a fairly big underdog, which he is, I think he's like I don't know six to four or something on the odds. Um, I don't know. I, I, I fancy an upset. I, I do like Jerry. I'm with you on that, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Reyes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I think Yuri's so unpredictable, and I don't think Reyes will be able to cope with his well how, how unorthodox he is. I think I think it would just pose too many problems. And, but that's and the thing but... in Jerry's last fight against Volkan, as good as he was, his sort of weird herky jerky style of dipping in and out. I feel like it's going to get him knocked out at some point. So why not this weekend? Yeah, true, true. That, that is a good point. I just, I, I, I don't know. I just think like the, the experience level and like the way he reads the game. I mean, I said at the start that I think he's. Well, I think I actually said at the start of this podcast, the whole series that I think he's going to be a potential future like heavyweight champion. Um, having said that, I did think the same about Reyes like two years ago. So well, he maybe could have been if the judges had been a bit more favorable. Um, you know, I think there's a fair argument that he won that fight. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, it seems like he's getting completely overlooked. Like, oh, know, yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think anyone should write him off. He's not but a massive just, underdog, but to, to be an underdog against a guy who's only had one UFC fight, and yes, Jerry's very good. I'm not putting him down, but when your only losses are a contentious one to the GOAT, 
and the guy who just dominated Israel Adesanya. Like, it does feel a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Although, what is it, two fights good? Yeah. Yeah, he was 12-0 yeah. and, and he lost those two. Yeah. I, I just wonder if... I, I Yeah. I, I just wonder if, like, Yuri's experience will, will basically give him an advantage because he's kind, he's kind of... I mean, he's fought like Nemkov and his, when Nemkov was coming through the ranks and I just think there's something special about him. Like, that whole camp, like Muradov and Yuri... I feel like they're building something. Um, and also, have you seen Yuri's hair? Have you seen what he's done? He's got like this like... It looks like some sort long... of mad Viking, yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> some long like ponytail thing. Um, either way though, I'm just excited for like another banging night of fight. It's like, well done, Dana. Absolutely, yeah, like, it's it, absolutely it's insane card. And I, I feel like we're going to be just as buzzing as we were from uh, from Saturday's card when we come back to record next week. So uh, I, I just know we're both going to be messaging each other going, oh shit, something's gone on. <laughs> Well, I'll be messing with you saying I was right, Reyes, with the upset. But we'll <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace. Take care.